Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Happy Cast by the Happy Endings Trail Crew. Um, I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm Dylan. Dylan. Dylan, thank you for saving me there. And then uh, Stephanie, is that you? I think that's Stephanie. That's me. Um, or whatever's left of her after her. her or wow, I'm so. She sorry. does look a little <laughs> shorter than usual. <laughs> her I? after her. <laughs> Yeah, after her uh, epic weekend, uh, it was an epic weekend of racing in general. Um, and we'll touch base uh, in future episodes. We have an awesome lineup coming up of recaps and guests. But uh, for this week, we are focusing on uh, Stephanie Leaks, Stonebreaker Leaks, amazing race in Arizona. And this is a mouthful, so I always have to pull it up. Uh, I just call it the Stagecoach 100, but I guess the official name is the Flagstaff to Grand Canyon Stagecoach Line Ultra 100. Um, and I don't know if that's what the belt buckle says, but that must be a pretty large belt buckle if it does say all those things. Um, so we are going to um, talk to Stephanie about her experience, about her epic performance. Um, and from what we know, Dylan and I know, it seemed like the race went swimmingly for her. But who knows? Um, yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't seem like there were any dark, just deep, dark spots. It looked like it was the most perfect race of all time. And yeah. she probably peaked. So she should she retire while she's on top? <laughs> I was wondering that actually. It? No, no, no. Is this it? Is she finally <laughs> done? Also counted her ultra sign up. Is this what six hundred milers now? Yeah, you're good. This is six yeah. and yeah, six holy. different states too. Yes, yeah, yeah. see, I researched. I researched. You give me criticism <laughs> all the time. This. this time I did. I went online. I was like, holy shit! Damn. I remember your first like it was yesterday. He gave you a better um, intro right? than half of the previous guests. Yeah. You should be happy. He finally gave the intro I've been begging him to give to people. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I should probably research my co-host to learn a little bit more about her. Um, she lives in DFW. Um. Oh That's, my god! She, uh, so talk about the race. Like sushi. Well, yeah, so, sushi. So can we just recap for a minute? I know that um, our South Dallas Five is what enabled you to guilt-free sign up for this race. But how did you find out about it to begin with? I think I signed up about for this before the South Dallas Five. Well, there was some, the some hundred miler that you you were saying that if we finished in under twelve, you would. Sign oh, up for. there was that I was remember. Yeti. I was going to do. Oh, some got you, got you, Yeti, and you were going to sign no. up for Yeti and no, uh, the one next for, year. I thought no, it was Yeti. You were already Yeti. signed up for. You were right. Coach. South Dallas Five. I signed up for the stagecoach because this is squished between year. Lake Murray and yeah. then one in. No, I signed up for. And one in um, January. I guess and we'll I've never since know. signed up for some other races. But yes, this well, you're right, Dylan. This was if I I wanted to squish one in for my birthday. Um, I like racing on my birthday because I feel like it started when I was 23, and I realized nobody fucking cares about your birthday. Um, and it's true. Like the older you get, like nobody cares. It's, so I started doing races for my birthday. I want to say. Men at like 32, 33. Um, 
I started doing races for my birthday and I've kept the tradition. I did um, iron will last year. Um, and this year I'm turning 40 and I wanted to do a point to point. And I spent a long time searching for point to points because it is a, it's rare. Um, most races will have some kind of out and back, some kind of something that will make it not point to point or, um, and I wanted it's different. And you can ask, um, Andrew, this just between the 200 you did that was loops at Jackalope Jam versus the 200s that you've done that you don't ever visit the same spot. Like it's completely, it's a oh, different yeah. race completely. It just doesn't and I think having, it makes it feel a lot easier. You know, I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss that here in a bit, but yeah, point to point for sure. There's no, there's no dicking around because, um, there was, I think, a total of 11 aid stations. If you count the first, the start, finish, start, and then the finish, um, or maybe there was 10. So it had huge chunks. And I know that um, Silmill prepared me with the nine miler um, that I was so stressed about the nine mile stretch. And then the Yeti had that 13 mile stretch. So uh, the way I was going to handle it was I was not going to think about the long stretches because if you get in your head about them, like it's horrible, but they're so positive in the fact that you don't dick around at aid stations because there's no aid station there to dick around. Um, I was concerned about the altitude. So that was my biggest fear. And actually um, the pacer, I'm going to do a little shout out to my pacer who is fucking amazing. Um, Her name is Julie and she, I posted in a group in the air vapor um, trail group and which is not the race company for the race I did. I did not realize that. I did not think about any of that until after I posted it and someone tagged her and she was like, I need to run that week. She's doing Havelina hundred K. She's going to do badass. She's a, a fitness coach. She was absolutely perfect. Um, she was chatty when I needed her to be chatty. She was quiet when I needed her to be quiet. Um, she was just perfect. She checked on me numerous times. I'm going to get into that. So she said that one strategy to racing at altitude is to go the night before and not, it's, she said either three weeks before so that you can um, acclimate or the night before. And that, so your body does not realize what you're getting into. And I think that was what helped me as we flew in Thursday night for a Saturday day race. So I never realized like how bad it was. And she said, you're going to not be able to breathe to like Sunday or Monday before you leave. That's when the altitude is going to hit you and you're really going to realize what you get into. So it starts in Flagstaff. It, um, in like the snowball, it is a bike race. So the bikers start 30 minutes before us. So it was very entertaining because the bikers started like a mile down and then everyone's like crowding around to the start finish line for the run, which is in a different spot. And here comes the race van with the timing mat. And then he lays the timing mat like minutes before we start. He lays down the mat because he had to take it from the bike start. And so um, even the the timing chip when I finished was off because it was still on the bike's timing ship, which started earlier than us. Anyways, it was just interesting. Um, we did see two bikes out there um, because they had like mechanical issues. And so then they were coming up behind runners because they had been delayed. Um, other than that, we didn't have any interaction with the bikes besides those two. And it was um, 
the first five miles. So I'm going to talk about the race dynamic. Mostly the first five miles are like climbing. Um, you start out at like 7,300 feet and you go up to like 8,800 feet in the first five miles. So that would be 1,500 feet in the first five miles. And I was actually, I mean, I was dying, but I feel like um, every first mile of any run I ever do, I'm dying if I'm running with people because I want to just go my own pace. And so I kept telling myself, like, this isn't the altitude. This is just your first mile. Like, you know, your first mile is never easy. And I saw um, this lady and I was like, "This, she's my pace. Like, I want to run with her. And her name is Pam Reed. She's a legend. We will have her on. She is incredible. This past year, she did Hard Rock, Western States, and what was the Bad Water. Bad Water. <clears throat> yes, all three. She's 62. She has won Bad Water flat out twice. And she has ran Bad Water back when it started in the day. So she says the Bad Water that they run now is nothing compared to what they did when they started in the heat of the day. And so I think that's interesting because Bad Water starts at night now. So she... Anyways, I saw her. I was like, I'm going to stay with her. And it was crazy because um, we we have 50. So the bike race has already started. You have 55K racers. And so they're hauling ass. And then you also have relay racers. So the night before, there were 72 that um, signed up that had not dropped. I want to say it was 72 the night before that are doing the solo 100 miler. But we're starting, everyone's starting at the same time. They're all taking off and they want to pass her. She's a petite. She's like probably maybe 100 pounds. She's like little. And um, they just wanted to pass her. And I'm laughing because they're passing her. And she is just hauling ass up the hill. So they would pass her and they start walking in front of her. And then she's like, I'm passing you. And I'm just like, yes. I was like, me too. Like I just stayed with her the whole time. And she was extremely good conversation. We talked about all these bad ass things she's done. She's written a book. Um, I've already bought the book. I'm going to um, go through that and about her bad water experience. And we just chatted about how uh, we don't necessarily like to long run with people. And, you know, so we were just like, just had a blast and I did not realize that that first five miles would have been my race would have been different had I not stayed with her because I had that good conversation I didn't go out too fast I wasn't doing anything crazy and then when the five miles hit it opens up and it goes straight down and she's like this is when everyone passes me and I was like I'm staying with you like we're having good conversation and so I stayed with her for the first 10 miles and um it was really nice at mile nine. Like we're headed to an out and back for the aid station. And, um, she goes, you've got such good energy. And I was like, that is like the biggest compliment you could give someone. And she goes, you know, that's why that's how Courtney wins all her races is because she's got energy like you. And it's like, almost like that was, um, foreshadowing that I was going to win it. Like that she made that, it was the weirdest comment. And she said, like, I've messaged her since, you know, about the podcast. And she said, she's like, I knew you were going to win it. And I was like, I had no idea. Um, so at mile 10, she had crew and I did not. Um, and so when she's so nine mile nine is an aid station and then mile 10, you can see crew, but I didn't have crew. So I kept running and that's when um, we split up. So this is something, and I know um, Andrew has touched on this with his races. When you have um, 
aid stations split out like this. They can be, the aid stations can be 12 miles apart, but if you're driving on these fire forest roads, it can be like an hour and 45 minutes between those 12 mile aid stations. So because of that, I told Matt, I don't need to see you till 56 and a half because I don't know, like, I don't want you to have to drive three hours for one aid station. So I, I put drop bags, but I put disposable drop bags because otherwise I would have to wait till 2 p.m. the day we finished for the drop bags to come back. They on ultra sign up when you sign up for the race, they give you the option to have your um, drop bags shipped back to you. So let's say you're done. You want to go home. You can go home and you pay them to ship the drop bags back to you. I did not want to do that. So I, I did stuff that could be thrown away. Um, and, and then I had to wrap my head around whatever I'm wearing at the start. I have to wear, cause I was planning to be at 56 and a half after sunset the whole day. So it's like, it's super cold in the morning, but I need to know it's going to be hot and exposed during the day. And so I was nervous about that commitment, like whatever I was going to wear, but it was kind of nice because you're not sweating the same. Um, so you're not, you don't need to change clothes. So I decided to go with a short sleeve shirt, or I mean, a sleeveless shirt and a jacket. That's how I started. I didn't want to bring gloves, but Matt's like, do it. Thank goodness I did because it was really cold. And then I had buffs. So it was stuff that could be removable. And the Houdini jacket um, is super light. It's packable, but I tied it around my waist for most of the day. Um, the first 20 miles gave me like Tyler State Park vibes. Oh, you know, I love that place. So it was just like, like magical. I big, was tall all trees. Yes. Yes. And the climbs were not technical. Like I want to say our slowest mile was like maybe 15. We were doing like 13 to 15 minute range. Like that's not technical at all. Like that. I feel like that's runnable for me to do a 15 minute mile uphill is like, um, and it was on dirt. So I don't feel like it was technical at all. And then running down you. So it's got a, um, a net loss. Is that how you word it? If there's more loss than gain over the whole trail net loss. Okay. Yeah. So there was uh, more downhill than uphill. So it's only got about like um, seven, 8,000 feet of gain. So it's not much for a hundred mile or at all. And most of it was, or two or 3000 of it was in the beginning. And so you run downhill and I was like, I need to take it easy. So I, but it's so hard because it's not, it's runnable. And so I would try to get behind people. Like when I would come up on people, I would stay with them. And that's like, that's horrible that you did that. But I was like, I was trying to slow myself down. They would like, they would tell me to pass. And I'm like, no, let me just run with you for a little bit. Um, and then it, it, it didn't work. So I was doing, um, like 10, 11 minute miles going downhill. And I want to say it w- went downhill for 15 miles. Um, and then at, at mile 20, I had a drop bag, disposable drop bag. I was good. And then the next 30 miles were all exposed. So um, it wasn't hot. Okay. It was like you felt a cool breeze the whole time. So, you, so I didn't drink enough water because I wasn't hot. Um, but I got sunburned and I felt, I mean, it was all exposed. So I went and I had put sunscreen on my face to start. And then at an aid station, I went and put sunscreen all over my body, took off my watch, like the whole nine yards at the end. 
of the race, I have a watch line and I'm like, how, if I put sunscreen on underneath my watch, do I have a a watch line? And I put sunscreen on my face like this and I forgot to do it around my mouth. So this was white and this was red at the end of the race because I put sunscreen on the, my cheeks, but I didn't rub it into my front face. So you were like like a clown in a little way. <laughs> oh my God, it was so bad. <laughs> um, but I kept thinking, if I get sunburned, this is going to be bad in the cold of the night. Like this is... In Texas, it's hot in the morning and hot at night. Like this is like, it's going to be cold at night. I can't be having chills and stuff like that. Um, so I was worried about that. I don't know if I would have worn worn a, um, a UPF shirt. I thought about changing into it. I didn't have a choice because I didn't have one. But okay, so when I hit mile 20, I've already gone through the hardest part of the altitude. I've already gone through the hardest climb. And I call Matt and I'm like, I'm an hour and 15 minutes ahead of schedule on my, I made two pace charts. The only reason I made pace charts um, was so that Julie would know when to meet me. I asked um, Pam, I was like, how did you do, you know, if you don't have a goal in mind, how are you having, know when your pacer, when you're picking up your pacer? And she's like, my crew's going to be there the whole day. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. So um, knowing I wasn't going to see Matt or my pacer till 56 and a half, I needed a plan. So I planned 25 and a half to 27 and a half, but I thought it would be cool to go sub 25 to beat my born to run time. So I had this chart. So I knew I was on track to go sub 25. Um, but now I'm scared. My pacer's not going to get there in time because she has a four hour drive. So this is more logistic stuff. This makes me uh, more sympathetic to when Andrew said that Chad was two hours late. Like you could be going 12 miles and you're going to be two hours late. Just wrap your wrap your head around that. Um, that you don't get that experience in any Texas race. There's nothing like you have to do some kind of crazy distance like this to have this this whole issue. Matt said he spent like maybe a hundred miles on those back roads, and by the time he was, he's like, I never want to drive on a Jeep road again. Like this is done. And they they tell you to get a car that has all wheel drive. So we that was a whole issue getting a rental with an all wheel drive because. Um, rental places don't like to guarantee an all-wheel drive, so we just like got the biggest SUV, and then thank goodness it was an all-wheel drive once we got out there. So um, twenty to fifty was all exposed about, um, and everything was running long. So whatever distance it was supposed to be, it was a little bit further than that. So that messed with my head. So I didn't actually. I was supposed to see them at fifty-six and a half, but it was like fifty-seven and a half. But at a mile like fifty-four. You know, I'm in my feels. I had, I hit the first 50 miles in 10 hours and 22 minutes, which was not the plan. I'm scared I'm going to blow up. Um, I'm pushing. I had a 15 mile section with no water or aid. And so I had rucked water, but I hadn't seen humans. I had seen nobody. Like it was, it was rough. I was having my moments. I was texting people. I had turned my phone off the airplane mode. I was like trying. And Brandy, I was like, Brandy, I'm all in my feels. She's like, good feels, bad feels. I was like, I don't even know. Um, and so this guy runs up on me and I was like, I'm going to run with you for a minute. And he goes, I've been just been puking and crying on the trail. 
He's 25 years old. His name is Nash. Shout out to Nash. He did finish. Um, and I'm like, okay, so we chatted for a little bit. I was like, I was just crying too. This is crazy. His watch was off. So he has a Sanito and it was like four miles off or something. So I was like, we've only got like two and a half miles till we see eight. And he's like, what? I thought I was at mile 50 or 51. And so he's like, I can do this. I can do this. I was like, yeah. Cause I mean, we, we had been out there for over 12 miles, like with not seeing any humans. I mean, it was beautiful, but we hadn't seen humans. And so, um, by the time I got to Matt at 57 and a half, I was questioning whether I was getting lost. I hit them before sunset. They had quite the adventure getting to that aid station um, oh, Matt did meet me at 33 because when I told him that I was ahead, he was like, hey, I have time to do that between checking into hotels. That's another thing. You're going to check into a hotel at one place and then check into another hotel 100 miles away. And then depending on what time you finish, like if you finish at 630 in the morning, if you don't have a hotel, anywhere you go doesn't let you check in till 4 p.m. It, it was a whole, it makes me understand why crew has to sleep in vans when they're crewing these 200 milers, because it's like, you don't know what, what town you're going to be in on what day. And then even if you know the day, what hour they're going to be in, you can't get an Airbnb that's going to access all 200 miles. So, um, he, we, we, he checked us out of one hotel. He checked us into the other so that Julie could have a shower when she finished because she was driving four or five hours from where she lives to meet us. And once she was meeting us, she was going to run 30 miles with me. If Matt went and she was going to run 56 and a half to 88. When she was done at 88, if Matt had to take her back to her car, it would have been an hour and 45 minutes, I think. And then he would have had to drive that back plus to the start finish. He would have been having like a four hour drive. So if he drove her back to her car, he would miss my finish because I'm not going to take four hours to do the last 12 miles. So basically I told her, I was like, Hey, I'll get you a hotel at the finish line. He'll drop you off at the finish line. If you don't mind showering, resting, I'll finish. And then when I'm done, we'll come get you and take you back to your car. And so she was fine with that, which was awesome. And um, she also was like, should I bring tights? We, it was a mandatory drop bag at that um, 57 mile. And you had to have tights, a knit hat and a, a light jacket. They were saying that the reason you had that mandatory drop bag was because people DNF there. And then while they're waiting to get picked up, it could be hours before you're picked up. They freeze because if you're wet, you're running and then you stop running, you would get cold. So she was like, do I need tights? And I was like, well, hopefully I'm moving well. And this is, I don't know if the altitude is going to make my stomach upset. If I'm not moving well, we're going to get really cold. If I'm moving well, we should be fine. And that's, that goes back to, she had to be flexible and we brought layers and then, and she was so self-sufficient. She never needed anything. She took care of all her needs. She checked on me. So I've never met her before. We, 
purposely did not have conversations ahead of time to get us chatting. Um, and I do, I always recommend this when people post in happy endings and they're like, Hey, I need a pacer. I always say, go to that area and find someone local that doesn't have to travel. Um, because you're going to get people that know the trail. So it was interesting because she's near Phoenix. Matt knows exactly where it was, but she was dealing with triple digit weather that just dropped the week before like we were. And she's also a flatlander um, sea level person. So she has the same ability as me. So that made me feel good too. She did not struggle to breathe. She didn't struggle with the um, altitude or, or anything. She's training for Havelina 100K. For some reason, I thought it was the 100 miler. So I was like, oh good, I'm gonna give her night miles. She's gonna finish the 100K and not need night miles. So she literally gave up a night of sleep for this experience that she doesn't need yet because she's not, she's only doing 100K. I don't wanna say that. She's doing 100K at Havelina. She's gonna crush it. So um, we were we were moving well. There was a and I, I told her this. I said, if Matt was out here with me, I would whine with him. And Matt told her this too. He prepared. He's like, she's going to be better with you than she is with me. She's not going to whine with you. So um, there were, you know, it got dark and I was like, this is a hill. I don't know if it was a really hill, really a hill or not, but I felt like it was a couple miles of the hill and there was grass and it was single track and it was rutted. And I was like, I can't run this. And we hiked some 15 minute miles. And I was, and she was like, you know, we're walking more than I thought, but we're moving so well. It doesn't matter. Like if, you know, running a 15 minute mile is, is good. When we were hit, so when I hit mile 42, they told me I was in 13th place and I was second female. They only, had, this is the other thing about grassroots places. They tracked one location. So the live tracking was for mile 33. And the only reason there was a timing map there was because that was when the 55K finished. And so then they took that map and then brought it to the finish line. And that, so you only would track in two places. But station you your number when you were there and give them your number when you were leaving so they they tracked you that way station was like hey first female is kind of looking rough and then the next aid station they were like hey you're only 15 minutes behind her so she was an hour ahead of me at the 50k so she should have finished a few hours before me i didn't think there was a chance when matt said she's an hour ahead of you at the 33 miler i was like there's no way i'm gonna be able to catch her and so um sure enough i knew i was gaining on her when they 15 minutes behind her and at mile 80 we we caught her so i guess they told us that at six mile 69 or or 73 or something so at mile 80 we pass her and i see because of the bib and i could tell the relay bib versus the non-relay bib and then i was like okay she's right behind me so at mile 80, you have, um, I would compare this to Mount Scott, but maybe even more extreme. You have a mile and a half down. And here's the, here's the deal. You cannot walk it. It hurts. It hurts to run it slowly because you're, um, you're stopping. you like, if you're trying to slow yourself down, your quads are, do you know what I'm talking about, Andrew? Oh, I'm way too well. Are you about to comment? Yeah, no, that's just, that's what ruined my race at the end of like Cocodono is any 
flat downhill. The quads just don't want to. Like you have no choice. Yeah, it's it's a real conundrum. You're like fighting yourself going downhill, like leaning backwards just to fight it, to fight the momentum of going down. It's weird. Yeah. Right. So, and I was like, oh my God, like I can't. And we were like 0.75 in and I was like, I can't do this. I was like, but I can't walk this. It hurts way too bad. I was like, let's take a pee break. So in the middle of the, the downhill, like we step off to the side and we pee and we still have like a 10 minute mile. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, but you couldn't, you couldn't slow yourself down. It was, it was so hard. Um, and the whole time we're thinking we have to come back up this because this is an, um, an out and back to an aid station. So a lot of the aid stations were like a mile out to the aid station and back. So that was the really only the out and backs were to aid stations. So then we get to the aid station and I'm like, we're going to have to hike this back up. And, um, she was like, so we were hiking and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm going to need a break. And then I told myself, I was like, no, no breaking. That's the only thing we're not doing is we're just going to keep moving. I mean, it was hard. It was so hard to get back up. And I want to say we did like an 18 minute mile, but I didn't break. So I was like, okay, I'm fine with that because I knew the lady was behind me. And at the um, 81 and a half mile aid station, I, when I was leaving it, the first place female was coming in. So here's the other thing. I was going to do a sock change and do all these things at 81 and a half. But instead, this lady is behind me. When I did the Yeti hundred over the summer and I was going for sub 24, I kept looking at my watch for the pace and I did intervals. And Matt said that was what um, ruined my race because I was just so focused on speed. I was not focused on speed. I was focused on the competitive spirit. And I'm telling you, it's a game changer. I would rather run because I'm chasing someone or someone's chasing me than run because I need to hit a 1303 pace. And so I think that's what made it fun too, is I'm like, she's behind me. And I ended up passing Nash before I caught her. And and Nash was like, you're running up a hill. And I was like, they said I was 15 minutes behind her. I've got to go. And so it was like, we dropped it down and he thought I was crazy. And so then, um, we hiked that hill and it was rough that, um, I had a lot of like low moments with her and she would be like, are you okay? And I would be, it would make me think, Oh, I need to eat something. Oh, I haven't drank something. There was a point where I was like, Hey, if it was light outside, I would be hallucinating right now. And it was early 80 miles. Um, I usually don't get that until like the last five or 10 miles. So I was a little nervous there, but it was like, okay, eat something. And, and that goes back to the more times you do this, the more you know your body. But I also love getting to that point that I'm so close to the edge. It's not safe. And so, and Brandy does too. She's like, I love to hallucinate. I love to push my body to the the very limit. And in that moment, I was like, this is what I came for. Like I came for, I didn't want anything easy. I came for this. I mean, and it, it got a little rocky and, um, single track, I would still say the whole thing is runnable. I would still say this thing is not technical. It's not rails to trails at all. But um, I mean, it was rocky, but compared to like, it was runnable rocky. Um, but when I was real, you know, not feeling so, you know, straight, it was a little nervous that we could fall and something could happen. Um, 
But we got through that section and then we got to mile 88. By my watch, it's 89.7. The aid station volunteer is like, is something wrong with your pace or she's not going out with you? I was like, she came to do 30 miles. She got 32 and a half. She did her work. She's fine. I'm going out. He's like, well, do you have snacks? Do you have water? He's like, it's only nine miles left. And I'm like, no fucker. There's 12 miles left. And I said, how positive are you? He's like, I've ran it before. It's less than 10. I promise. And I'm like, okay, so 10 would make sense. I'm at 89.7, 10 miles. I would get to a hundred. Okay. I can get behind that. So because it was 10 and not 12, I didn't rock extra water. And I, um, chugged an energy drink, loca mocha. Oh my God. That thing was incredible. That's going to be my new go-to because it's got calories and it's caffeine. It was amazing. Um, and so I'm, I didn't wreck extra water. So I'm glad Charles lied to me. Um, I was like, can I give you a hug? I was so excited. Um, there's a couple of other aid station volunteers that they heard my number when I called it coming in and they went and got my drop bag for me. And, and I was like, oh my goodness, can I give you a hug? I asked for consent every time because I was disgusting and sweaty. But, um, oh, and I did change clothes at 57 and change socks and shoes, but I don't think I needed to. Um, my feet weren't sloshy. Um, I was going to change clothes at 81 and a half. I did not. I was going to change clothes at 80 eight. And then I was like, she's behind me. I have nine left. Let's just get this done. Okay. It was not nine left. I told myself he's got to be lying. It's going to be 10. So I figured I would hit a hundred miles. No, I figured I would hit right under a hundred. I was nervous about getting lost. So here's another thing. Um, that I did not process, but now for future reference, they kept saying, download the GPX. I did not want the GPX on my watch because I did not, it's too many steps. It was too much going off. It was going to stress me out for a hundred miles. Um, one guy that I was running with Anthony, he was like, you just downloaded on Gaia and then Gaia will run without Wi-Fi." So I did not know this. So I should have done that. That's one thing I would have changed. I should have done that because when I was by myself, that 12 miles, I kept looking for course markings. The course was marked. Oh, well, they had confidence markers on the entire thing. I feel sorry for course sweepers because they have to have a hundred miles of the whole course being swept and it was marked so well and with reflectors. So if you thought you were lost, you could like look up and see where you were headed going forth. It was marked so well, but I would be like, Oh wait, am I lost? And then I would try to get my headlamp and like look ahead. So if I had the guy app, I wouldn't have fucked around as much as I did. I get to this one section and I'm like, I'm getting Cleburne state park vibes. And I was like, this is rentable, but what's going on? And then I was like, I haven't seen a marker. I haven't seen a marker. And then I was like, abort the mission, turn back, which I'd already done this once before, before I got my pacer, where I turned back and double checked that I was in the right spot. And I was, so I check and I go back and I had missed a turn. So I think that cost me about half a mile that could have cost me the sub 24 that I, I thought I could get. So Charles, when he said it was nine miles, I was like, absolutely. I can do sub 24. But when you add on three miles, like you, that is like 45 extra minutes 
Or even if I'm running well, that's 36 extra minutes. Like that is a game changer. So I'm glad he lied to me. I'm still thankful he lied to me because I would have carried extra water. I wouldn't have ran as hard. I wouldn't have pushed as hard. So when I got lost that one section, now I'm like, there's no time to make up. You can't be doing 19 minute miles because you just gave up five minutes. You're going to have to push harder. And so I I was pushing harder because I still thought I could do it. So now I'm like, you know what? This is awesome. Awesome. Now I'm going to get over a hundred miles. Um, and you know, you always want your watch to hit a hundred. So you were, so I was running when I got to, I thought I had five miles left. So I really had seven miles left. I, it crosses this road and there are two people, two guys sitting on the side of the road, like bundled up. Cause this is what happens when you quit moving, you get cold. And, um, that's where Julie and I were hot the whole time. So it's a good sign. We were moving well. She said when she got back to the hotel, she was chilled and shaking to her core. Like it finally hit how cold she was and she had to get in the shower. And it took her like 10 minutes to like even get her, her core warmed up. So there's these two two guys shivering. And I'm like, are you okay? What do you need? Do you need salt? And they're like, no, we're waiting for a ride. And, and that's like, you should have talked them into, to continuing. And I was like, I was so worried about making up that time that I had lost getting off track. And so I kept going. They said they didn't need anything. They had a ride coming and I'm still devastated. Cause I'm like, you were so close to the end to call it now because mind you, they could still do it sub 24. Like they, they had 31 and a half hours. Like they could have done an hour a minute. I mean, an hour a mile and made it. And so that's hard to see like them dropping or it may have been one guy dropping in a pacer. I'm not really sure. And so I continue on here. So one cruel thing was that, um, that Mount Scott Hill that goes down and up at mile 80. That was like, I thought that was pretty brutal, but you get to the, you see the start finish line. It is 2337 on my watch. I'm in tears. I'm at 99.6 or something like that. And I'm like, or three, 99.36. I see the start finish line. I'm like, this is happening. I'm going to do it. Where did this come from? I was planning sub 25. Like I'm already like processing all this stuff. And I see a sign that says turn right and not go to the, the finish line. Okay. I know people at running the rows complain about that one spot where you see the aid station and have to do an extra mile. This was that amplified. Now I'm like, okay, how far do I have to go away from the aid station? Like, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to run away from the start line like or the finish line. Like I, and so it was uphill and I'm running because I'm like, I still can do this. You know, you've got 23 minutes. Um, if it's a mile and a half, you can push, you can do this in 23 minutes. And then, and my watch went off at a hundred miles at 2345. And I was like, I'm taking a picture of this and I'm running uphill. And then I go and I pull the map out on my phone and I'm like, Oh my God, we have two miles. So Charles, when he, this is my opinion. I, I, this is, I have no idea if this is true. I think they added that section to make it a full hundred miler. And so when Charles ran it, it probably was short. 
But since then, they've extended it to make it a full hundred miles. Like they make you loop away from the finish line and back. So I got, I want to say, um, I guess I got right at 12 miles because I was at 101.6 when I finished. And so when I realized I'm I'm getting more mileage and I'm not going to be able to do it in this time that I thought I was going to do it. And I'm like pushing so hard. I'm going to puke. I'm like, Stephanie, your goal was never to come out here and do sub 24. Your goal was never to win first place. Like there were people that were extremely more competitive than you that, that should have this. Uh, Meg Eckert. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. She had just done a hundred miler the week before and broke the course record on the course that she ran the week before. And she was doing this one. Had she not ran a hundred miler the week before she would have kicked my ass. So that's where, um, it was like, I, I went, I was not going to win first had it been normal circumstances. And so um, I was like, you, there's no need to like blow up going up this hill, walk this hill. And so the two miles, I kind of just like got all of my feels. And then I call Matt and I'm like, I don't know how far, I don't know how far I am. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, my audio book froze up in the middle and I had like five or 10 minutes left. I was like, abort that mission, put some music on. Um, and he like ran up a quarter a mile and I was like, Hey, you're not allowed to offer any kind of pacing or crewing or aid anywhere besides aid stations. I need you to go back. You can't run in with me. I can't say I picked up a pace through this last quarter of a mile. So he um, ran ahead and he said that quarter of a mile made him so winded because the altitude was already affecting him. And so, um, and then running, it was like down like asphalt. We didn't run asphalt the whole time, except for like the last it said less than a mile um, to go. And I ran down asphalt, down a hill, and then I curved and ran through the chute. In my head, I hit the chute, the cones, and I dropped down and I was going an eight minute mile. Like I was pushing so hard. If you watch the video, I'm going the same pace <laughs> down the hill and around the corner. But in my head, I thought I was just flying like I picked up the speed it goes back to you run the race based on like um it matters how you feel about how you're running it doesn't matter like how you're actually running it's it's how you interpret how you feel um and I'm always like going this easy pace and um so it was an epic finish I got um first female my official time I want to say they uploaded it on um ultra sign up and they said it was 2400. So, um, going, so, so highlights for people that want to run this miles 20 to 50 are exposed. You will get sunburned, wear sunscreen or have some kind of protection. Um, there is a hill at mile 80. It's a dirt road. So it's, it's not technical at all, but it will suck your soul. And at the very end, those there's going to be um, bonus miles that you, you just can't avoid and download Gaia. So, which I feel like that's a rookie mistake. I'm even embarrassed to admit it because they put it all over um, the runner's manual to do that. And I was not processing. I, they, I just heard GPX and I thought that was, you know, Garmin and, instead of the um, guy app. Cause I had my phone on airplane mode. Um, and then my 
my Garmin had 37% battery when I was done. But I also, when I run, I keep it on the time of day. That's the only thing ticking. So I know that that saves a lot of battery life. Um, and I think that's it for um, all the details. Oh, one more thing since it was altitude. And so the next morning, I finished Sunday on Monday morning. We met um, Jackie and Andrea for breakfast and it was awesome, but we were talking. So Andrea just did um, run rabbit run that had like 20,000 feet of gain. Like she did like a huge, massive race. I told her, I was like, she's leveled up. She's now a mountain runner. I just took a baby step that maybe one day I'll run in the mountains. Um, I have, but you can't eat and run. And it was kind of crazy because my students were asking, like, do you eat while you run? I have always eaten while I ran. You can't there because if you take a bite, where are you going to breathe? And so I would take a bite and there was times I'm spitting out food and I'm like, no, you can't spit out food. Take a smaller bite. So I'd take a smaller bite and then I would open my mouth instead of chewing, get air and then finish chewing, open my mouth before I could swallow. Like you can't just eat and run normally because you won't like, you won't be able to breathe. So, and I think that's also why very early on I had to switch to liquid calories because it was like so hard. Um, you can't chew and you can't, I didn't want to spend time on the side eating. So I saved a lot of time rolling through aid stations because I was thought I was going to be, um, I was being chased. She ended up finishing an hour and a half after me. So, but she took first masters cause she was over 45. So she still took first as well. So wow. that's my feedback. Any questions? Uh, second place was Don Greenwald. She's a pretty amazing Do you know who that runner. Is? Yeah, I will never I'll always remember her. Not she did Cocodona the first year, the inaugural year of Cocodona, where it was a, a shit show for everyone. She finished, uh, what did she finish? Like top 15 or something. And then she's done U Ray, she's done Black Canyon in 10 hours. Uh, Barkley, she's part oh, this year she was in uh, Barkley Marathons, but just did uh, one lap. She has, yeah, she's. So I'm curious what she, what happened to her. Doesn't mean anything happened to her. She should have been ahead of me. Doesn't mean anything necessarily happened. I don't know. Uh, You you know, just let's chalk it up to you were just a better runner that day. I don't know. Every day is a different. Yeah. Also, I think a correction, Megan Eckert did not run this race. I don't know if you confused her with someone else. She did. She DNF'd at mile 69. Oh, did she really? Oh, so, okay. According to the results, I don't know. Like, yeah, they don't show it. Okay. Wait. Yeah. They're not showing the DNFs, but on the tracking, it says she dropped it 16. I don't know if that's accurate. The tracking was a little off. Um, like it had some, I congratulated (laughs) some lady on finishing and she was like, no, I, I dropped it 56 and a half. But so I have not talked to Meg personally to ask if that's what happened, but um, that's what it said that she DNF'd at 69. I never Mm. saw her. Uh, When was this race? She's done some badass things too. Yeah. The 16th. 16th. Yeah. Got to find out. There's uh, more than one Meg Eckert. I just want to say it's a whole different experience. This wasn't this. Different experience. 
Yeah, I guess we'll have to. I'm going to go ahead and say this is not the same one. <laughs> because the Mega Necker we know it's was running the in Sa- the Mega Necker. Because the Mega Necker we know was running in Santa Fe that day. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, have to, there's more than one, you though. Think so, had her bib? no, no. We don't have to cons- the one that was one in Megan Black Eckert, Staff- I don't know. I know, but the one in Blackstaff is from Texas. The great, but she doesn't live, she lives in New Mexico. Our, the Megan Eckert we're talking about lives in New Mexico. She used to live in Houston. Oh my God. Is this really true? There's more than one Meg. Meg. <laughs> so maybe it's not the. I don't. It could be, but according to our, the Megan that won Monion Monster last week, set the course record, was running in Santa Fe the same day as your race. So, well, I mean, she could have done a stage. Strava? Yeah, she could have done a stagecoach uh, 800 miler and just ran back home. No way. Yeah, I don't know. Well, this is interesting. At, we got to find out. So there's out. two. Is there really two Meg Eckerts in tech? Well, I guess not. Let's make this a thing. Let's no. pull the audience. Yeah. No, this uh, Meg Eckert we know of that we're friends <laughs> with used to live in Houston, but has been living in New Mexico for a couple, a few years now. Set the course record last week for Mayan Monster. Um, we ran yes. with her in Santa Fe this summer. Uh, I didn't. I knew better than to try to run with her. They'd let Regina do that. Uh, yeah, that's interesting, though. But yeah, according to this, there's more than one. So, so I misspoke. No, we don't know. If, we don't know. We have no idea. Yeah, we got to look into this. Anyways, that's besides the point. This we'll table corrected. this. We'll tell you this. Who is Megan Eckert? Who's the real Megan? Oh, this is great. So please, please raise your hand. <laughs> um, so this was your first point to point. Please I'm assuming. Up. I hope this uh, kind of spoils them for you and makes you only want to do those. Because me, I never really want to do short. Okay, so that's again. what. So Andrea and I were talking about that, like how it makes you want to do these. I mean, it was it was. But in the reverse, the planning, you have to be super prepared and two or, or um, Andrea's like, if you don't want to worry about drop bags, carry it. Like if you're stressed about a jacket, that was the other thing. I'm always like stressed about all these things. Just carry the fucking jacket. I carried the jacket the whole time. I needed it in the morning. I needed it at night. It was fine. Carry the buffs, carry the gloves, like carry the extra stuff. You don't know. Like for a second, we would get cold when it would like open up and we were flying down that hill. And then we would have to take layers back off when we're hiking back up the hill. Um, so just carry it. But the, the flip side is your crew works so much harder. So I felt like when I was done, I was less tired than when I crewed the keys overnight. And so that's where huge shout out to Matt who stayed up the entire night crewing. And so, and Jackie was like, well, I like the loops cause I can see her and it's less stressful for me. The point to points are harder for the crew. So it goes back to, if you're doing something like that, that's why the 200 milers, like you have to have solid people that can go support you because they're, and they can't visit every aid station. It made sense because there was one aid station that um, Jackie couldn't get the van to. And it's like, well, it's three hours on these dirt roads and the van may not make it. It's like all these factors you don't think about 
and people go and they're self-sufficient, but it's like, if, if you went out there and without crew and you dropped, nobody's there to take you. Nobody will take you home because they would have to drive hours to get you 12 miles. Like there's no saving. And the only, I can guarantee this, I can guarantee the people that dropped had crew at that aid station. And that's how they were able to drop. Like who else? Like there's no, there's nobody coming to get you. So, um, very interesting, completely different. Like I got exactly what I wanted. I wanted a different experience. I wanted to go, I got to taste altitude. I also want to acknowledge this is nothing compared to the altitude that other people were running. So um, Pikes Peak was this weekend. That's way harder altitude, but I feel like I dabbled and, um, I just did so much better than I thought I would. So that also is a confidence booster into whatever next stupid shit I sign up for. Well, yeah, you said you were, you're, this is your foray into getting into mountain running. So you can't compare yourself to other people who cares if the elevation was less than other mountain races for you. It was more than what you've done. You don't have to live in and the mountains. And it'll at least get me to sign up for something stupid now. Yeah, yeah exactly. You don't have to live in the mountains to be good at mountain running. You know, as you see, we have a lot of people here in Texas that rarely go out there and they just do what they can here and they go out there and they destroy the races. I mean, you know, just because we're here, don't let that limit any of us. Um, I'm not saying you have to go out and move. You know, personally, it'd be great if I didn't live here, but you know, um, do what we can. Don't let it deter you. Um, I don't know. I didn't feel, I have not felt and my body, altitude at the races I've done yet. So I've been thankful for that, but I'm slow enough as is. So maybe that helps. So, um, well, dear, like I was hurting, my body was sore early on. I was like, man, I don't think oxygen is getting to my legs. <laughs> They're hurting because they need oxygen. But I actually feel better than I have at my other races. So I thought um, Dom's would hit in today because today is Monday and I finished. No, today's Tuesday. I thought Dom's would hit. It hasn't. Um, I thought brain fog would hit. I mean, I had a couple moments, but not like where I can't think straight. Um, so I feel like sleep, like I can't pull an all nighter like I used to. That's where I'm saying this is, I feel like tired. Like when you're crewing and you stay up all night, you're just as tired. Like it's just as much of a messing with your, um, sleep cycle. So, um, and now I'm just like, okay, I want to go for a run just a couple miles. And then I'm like, Stephanie, like you need a good solid sleep. We flew in at midnight. We landed like 11, 15, didn't get home till like midnight. And, um, I had to be back up. At I always unpack as soon as I get home, but I was like, I have to go to bed. And so, um, I unpacked this morning and I didn't have time to finish. So I had to leave my stuff half packed and I did not get to wash my hair before I went to work. And so, um, I, I have now finished unpacking. I'm ready to my normal routine. Um, so 
lots of, lots of fun, but my body is less sore than I expected. Um, I'm like long run sore. So nice. um, that makes me happy that my body's learning to recover from these. Yeah. So question, have you worn your belt buckle okay. to school yet? Okay. So that's my can't let it go. So I'm going to just, you know, jump right in there. Perfect transition. Usually my students don't care. Like I try to, you know, drop the, oh, I ran a hundred mile. Nobody cared. My eighth period. I love them to death. They're one of my favorite classes. Um, And I tell them that, but um, they had a sub, the sub said they were chatty. They were too talkative. So I was like, let me just tell y'all. I need y'all are not my favorite class for 24 hours. I need, um, I'm upset and I need time to process. Y'all had this note left by the sub. I was like, but I won first place. And then they were like, Oh my goodness. They're all like cheering and clapping. You know, I'm trying to lecture them about being chatty with the sub and they're like cheering. And they're asking like, did you eat while you ran? What was your time? How did it go? Did you get a medal? Bring the medal. I was like, I got a buckle. They're like, you have to wear the buckle tomorrow. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so I went and bought a belt after work. Do they really care? I don't know, but they at least pretended they did. Whatever the moment, the moment they gave me my moment of excitement. So I'm going to wear the buckle. And then I was like, the buckle says champion on it. And so that was another thing. I've never had a buckle that says champion on it. So I'm, I bought a belt. I'm wearing the buckle to, to work tomorrow because they, at least one class cares. So. And that's Y'all the only class that matters. The rest of them can go fuck yes. themselves. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. No, that is not. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I know you don't. Mm-hmm. That's my statement. Does not in any way represent uh, Stephanie Leake. Um, well, I'll go next then. If we're just segued into can't let it go. First of all, congratulations, uh, Stephanie, uh, on your 100 miler. Uh, another one. Looks like you got at least three Thanks. more coming up. <clears throat> so, um, Keep that y'all busy. can see on ultra sign up yeah yeah at least three more um i'm i don't know when i'll do a hundred miler again it's probably gonna be a while um hyper focused on uh the 200s right now which i cannot roll them off as fast as you roll off your 100s so <clears throat> uh yeah i think you're ready for a 200 but um you know i was in, speaking of 200s i was in canada this past weekend we're gonna recap the race the inaugural year of the race called the divide 200 uh in a few weeks um it's gonna be a fun episode we're gonna have a few people on for that but speaking of crewing i've never it's the first time i ever had to crew 200 since i usually you know been running them um i've never been more tired in my life just so exhausting crewing it's it's a combination of yes you're staying up a lot and you're a little anxious a little too nervous to sleep and then when it's someone that you know has been struggling or kind of cutting it close, you, that's just tenfold and you're just a hot mess. And like, I just, I was one of the most tired I've ever been. And I was only there for half the race because I had to leave early. But um, huge congratulations to Kathleen, to Regina, to Trevor, and uh, our, our new friend from New York, Lance, and everyone else that completed this race. It sounds like it was one of the hardest 200 milers yet. Um, absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Other than some tracking concerns, I thought everything was set up beautifully. 
Uh, again, we'll learn more about this race, but, uh, and don't we have tracking concerns at every 200 miler? No, not like this. Uh, they use a good tracking system and the other 200s. I feel like this one could be improved, but everything else was spot on and they have a lot of great resources and it's a beautiful part of Canada. Uh, would not mind going back. Uh, will I run it sometime? Maybe it's, it's just not next year, but yeah so congratulations and also i guess shout out to meg eckert and ashley forche for my on monster 100 and then um oh my gosh andrea for uh run rabbit um you know i did i do think we found out who the the person was that uh that stephanie thought it was at flagstaff or the stagecoach whatever but um was Michelle. Know. Holy shit. Oh, we weren't gonna. Yeah. No, you're right. I just looked it up. Yeah. Because I, I remember. I checked you. I remember. Like you, you fact checked me and I, I confirmed. I, I, because I remember you asked me about that person. Do you know this person? So I was like, oh, maybe she was asking about this race. So I put one and two together and yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Well, it still had her predicted to beat me. Yeah, I was supposed to be like fifth female or something. Ultra sign up thinks I should beat everyone. So um, just because of one timed race that I did, even though they don't really weight that correctly. But anyways, but yeah. So, Dylan, what about you, buddy? Well, um, I'm going to cop out and say I don't really have one other than watching everybody else race. So I have major FOMO. Dude, isn't that um, insane? I was mad during the divide. It's like, <laughs> I should be in this right now. I know, but I'll get my chance in November. So it's just, it's fueling me um, and getting me psyched for the party that's going to happen in Eastern Alabama. Um, but yeah, no, just uh, congratulations again to you, Stephanie. Um, it's been fun. Although with you, I I was kind of like, obviously, because Matt can only do what he can do. I felt like we got better updates at the Divide 200. So that was fun to watch. Um, and I just think how poetic uh, Kathleen and Regina meeting up at that last aid station to finish the race together. Oh, that was um, great. Like, that wasn't I cannot wait to have them on and hear yeah. all the details. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, we're going to yeah. do a little little something different with our large race recaps, change it up a bit. So we're excited for this next uh, one in the future, uh, the Divide 200 sometime in the next few weeks. But, but yeah, so. Yeah, so. But for now, That's congratulations, Stephanie. In. Yeah, seriously. Thanks. I'm Thanks. over here. It's not what I went for, but that's what I came home with. So, hey. and I was able like before I left, one of my kids was like, well, why are you going out of town? And I was like, I have a race. She's like, well, I knew you ran, but you race. And I was like, no, I'm not competitive. And then now I came back and I was like, just kidding. I went first place. I am yeah. competitive. <laughs> I did actually race. Like, you know, it made me feel better that I took off and like, you know, Matt lost a lot of sleep, but I'm like, but we won first place. And then Julie, I'm like, you, you paced first place finishing. Yeah. So lots of fun. And fifth <laughs> overall, I want to know only four guys beat me. So that's another epic thing. So you're better than and all. Sorry, Meg, you weren't at stagecoach. I totally fucked that up, Andrew. And the other person shall rename nameless. We're not going to put him on the spot. Yeah, um, we hope you recover and seek redemption, whoever you are. 
Yes, um, and speaking of recovery, it's Stephanie from Texas. needs to recover. Yeah, because she's got a hundred miler coming up soon. Yeah. Not like she I didn't know, just I gotta run keep one. Matt's ass. Since I'm not doing Lake Murray hundred, I hope it rains there. Oh, I said it. <laughs> I said it. I hope you get what you want. I hope you get what you want. No, I'm joking. I want people. Hey, to are you Matt's me. mystery pacer? No, I would never pace that guy. <laughs> he keeps he keeps saying Sally McRae's coming down the pace so like you're so funny. that would make sense with the scheduling thing you know maybe but, that's uh, yeah maybe that's why yeah. he said that's why she's busy yeah <laughs> she's facing him in yeah. Oklahoma like that's where people want to yeah right yeah. okay all right Matt Anyways, <laughs> I texted. Tell him to message happy me back. I told, I, happy ending. I told happy him. Happy ending. Hey, what? We got, I got to get an Airbnb for Tahoe. And he didn't message me back. Anyways, so I, yeah. Anyways, happy oh, endings. Do it, yeah. Happy Monos. endings. Happy Monos. endings. Monos. Monos.